verses of chapter 12 briefly and uh, head into chapter number 13. And I don't know if we'll finish the entire chapter today. We may be able to get through all of it and finish up today. If not, we'll uh, finish it up next Sunday morning. Uh, Tomorrow, uh, Jonathan and I will be heading over to my sister's house for a couple of days to have our Christmas time with her. It's the only time that we had between now and Christmas that was available for us to be able to go spend a, a day or so with them. And so we'll be back Wednesday morning, and we won't be missing any of the services, but we will be gone for about a, uh, probably two days, it sounds like, about two days in the morning. And uh, so if you have any need, feel free to give me a call. If there's, She's only about three hours away. If there's something I need to come back for, we'll be glad to do that. Um, but do pray that we'll have traveling mercies as we go across there uh, tomorrow and uh, that God will give us a good time there. Nehemiah chapter number 12. In uh, chapter 12, we found the uh, dedication uh, of uh, the walls of Jerusalem. We found the dedication of the people of Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, we found that they were uh, making sure that there was uh, some purification that took place, some rejoicing that took place. In chapter number, or in verse number uh, 43, the Bible says also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. And we mentioned last Sunday about the idea that God is the one that gives joy. Uh, oftentimes we think, boy, if we would just do this or if we would just do that, I'd have more joy or more happiness. The truth is our joy comes from God. It doesn't come from uh, our, our, um, our uh, circumstances of life. Uh, I've heard uh, people say, boy, if, if we just have a different kind of music in our church, it'd help me to be more joyful. The truth is, our joy comes from the Lord. I, I was uh, reading a book this week in, um, on revival, and uh, one of the statements that was uh, made about it was, the test of true revival is time. And the reason being is, if it is man-produced, it's very shallow and it doesn't last very long. But if God is the one that brings the revival to our hearts, He does a transforming work on the inside. And that is something that is lasting and bears lasting fruit. It's interesting to me as I was reading about that and I thought of these things and the author uh, that uh, I was reading was making some of these points about even in Scripture how often we find God do a, a work and His presence be very, very real and there's uh, miraculous things that take place. Uh, that uh, they're excited about. Uh, in fact, last Wednesday night, I think it was, we preached on that a little bit from uh, Psalm 115 and uh, how that in Psalm 114, uh, the people had been delivered from Egypt and God had showed His hand mighty, but there had been a length of time where God had not shown His hand mighty to the nation of Israel. Does that mean that He was any less God to them? Well, certainly not. And uh, I think sometimes we look at the times where God is dealing and working in our lives in a powerful way and say, boy, revival is there and God is stirring. But there are times that God doesn't stir that way in our lives. And the test of true revival is, did it stick during those times? Does He still carry us through those times? Do we still have our joy? Do we still have the excitement of the Christian life? Um, do I have to be in a constant state of seeing God working in a powerful way, in a, in a miraculous way, in a season of, of God doing what God does so often. Uh, do I have to live there all the time in order to stay revived? Well, the answer to that is no, I don't. I can purpose in my heart. I can understand and know that God has done a work in my life. And I like what the, the uh, Bible tells us here about this uh, dedication that took place and the joy that these people... I, I mean, you can imagine they're excited. 
Uh, they're dedicating these things. They've seen God's hand at work. They've built the wall. They've had revival in their own hearts. They've separated themselves from the people. And there certainly is joy there. But the Bible says this, that God gave them the joy. It wasn't just because of the circumstances. It wasn't just because they saw the walls built or they saw uh, the dedication to, or the uh, separation of the people taking place or just because there was a, a stirring of their heart one time. Uh, this was something that God had given in their hearts that ought to linger and ought to produce um, lasting fruit, fruit that remains. I think we're in desperate straits in the day that we live to see God produce in us fruit that remains. And it's not God's fault, it's ours. We're looking for the wrong fruit often. We're trying to find it in the wrong places. And the truth is we need to just turn to God and let God give the increase. Let God give the joy in our hearts and our lives. And so we find that God gives us joy uh, in verse number 43. And then we saw that they included the wives and the children also. And that the joy of Jerusalem was heard even afar off. We kind of ended our Sunday school lesson there. And uh, we just read the last few verses quickly uh, at the end of the hour. But wouldn't it be wonderful if it could be said of our, uh, of our uh, uh, life and our, our testimony that it was heard afar off? That people would see a difference in us? By the way, there ought to be a difference in us. We ought not to look like the world, talk like the world, act like the world. There ought to be something different about us. When somebody comes in contact with us, there ought to be something they look at and say, boy, they've got something. I don't know what it is, but boy, I'd sure love to have something like that. And uh, we can have the opportunity to share what a wonderful God that we serve. There ought to be something different about us. It ought to be heard afar off. That testimony ought to be spread. And then in verse 44, it says, And at the time... Uh, and at that time were some appointed over the chambers of the treasures for the offerings, for the first fruits, for the tithes, to gather into them out of the fields of the cities the portions of the law for the priests and Levites, for Judah rejoiced uh, for the priests and for the Levites that waited. Now this is important to note, and I want you to keep mind of this, uh, what we read here in verse number 44. So they reestablished the tithe in the storehouse where the people would bring in the things to the temple, and it was for the purpose of... Uh, the needs of the Levites. Remember, the Levites did not have a, a possession of the land. They were to be cared for by the people, uh, by the tithes that they brought into the temple. And this was to uh, take care of the people that were serving in the temple and in the tabernacle. And this is very critical because we're going to see something in chapter number 13 that's going to cause us to come back and say, this is what should have been done, and then we're going to see what actually was done in, in chapter 13. Uh, but it's very, very important for us to understand this that they are, they are not only, uh, again, making this one-time decision, but they're putting in place some safeguards, and these are things that God had told them years ago. You need to have these things in place to help these things to continue in your life. Um, I, love, I love it when God does something in my heart and draws me to a point of decision. But if I'm not careful, it, it's not very long after I make that decision before I begin to drift from it. Anybody else struggle like that? I know I do. And for God to, to put in our hearts something that we can put in place, a, a landmark, some kind of an anchor or some kind of a barricade or some kind of a safeguard that will cause us to remain focused on that decision. And so not only did they make these decisions to dedicate the temple and uh, the, the, the city and the, uh, the, the people and to sanctify them for the Lord, they put some things in place to help give accountability uh, to make sure that they uh, follow through these things. And they do that by establishing some, some people that were in charge of uh, overseeing these things. And we find that in chapter, or verse number 44. In verse number 45, And both the singers and the porters kept the ward 
of their God, and the word of the purification according to the commandment of David and Solomon his son. And so again, uh, some folks that were in charge of making sure that these things continued. For in the days of David and Asaph of old, by the way, uh, if you take time to read through the Psalms, you'll find a lot of times in the titles before the Psalms, this will, it'll say a song of Asaph. Asaph was one of the great writers of some of the Psalms that we have in our Bible and uh, was a tremendous fellow that knew the Lord and worshipped the Lord uh, in a great way. But it says, For in the days of David and Asaph of old, there were, chief of the, uh, there were chief of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving unto God. Again, uh, putting some people in charge of. Remember in chapter 12, they, they had two different choirs that they had. They, they sent some one direction on the wall, and they sent some the other direction on the wall, and they well, walked around the wall singing praises to God. And uh, to make sure that this praise would continue, they put people in charge of it. They put people that oversaw it. And so the singers and the porters, they kept the word of their God in these areas. And verse number 47, And all Israel in the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah gave the portions of the singers and the porters every day his portion, and they sanctified... Well, there's a great word, isn't it? They sanctified holy things unto the Levites. And the Levites sanctified them unto the children of Aaron. The way that the tithe was to work back in the Old Testament was they were to bring the tithe in the storehouse and they were to give it to the Levites and the Levites were to live off of that. The Levites then were to in turn tithe off of what they received and that went to the high priest uh, who would also take that and live off of that, he and his family. And uh, so these things were sanctified. They were set apart. They returned to a state, notice this, of obedience. Isn't that amazing? When God does a work in our hearts and our joy is full, how easy it is to obey God. Any of you ever have a hard time obeying God? I've been there before. It's a struggle sometimes. And the the times I find it the hardest to be obedient to God are the times that I'm the furthest from Him. The times that I don't have the joy. And, uh, boy, there's Brother Ronnie and his family. Good to see you guys. Boy, I'm so glad you all are here. We've been praying for you. And, uh, boy, they've had a bout of it. And uh, good to have you all here today. Praise the Lord for that. All right, that brings us to Nehemiah chapter 13. Nehemiah chapter 13. Verse number 1, On that day they read in the book of Moses. By the way, that's always a good place to turn, isn't it? To God's Word. And uh, why is it that we look so many places for the answers to our problems in life, and it's almost like we come to God as the last resort. He's the, the final place we turn. When all else fails, uh, I'll pray, <laughs> or I'll read my Bible. It ought to be the first thing we do. And so on this day, this wonderful day of rejoicing dedication, on that day they read in the book of Moses in the audience of the people, wherein was found written that the Ammonite and the Moabite should not come into the congregation of God forever. Now, if you'll remember back in Genesis, when the nation of Israel was wandering in the wilderness, they came to the area of the uh, Moabites and the Ammonites. And if you'll remember, they were... And now, these are close relatives to the Israelites, and they would not allow the Israelites to go through their land, nor would they give them water and food. And so because of that, God cursed them, if you'll remember that. And that's where uh, the wonderful statement that uh, God will bless them that bless Israel, and God will curse them that curse Israel... And uh, by the way, can I just make this statement in passing? The nation of Israel is God's chosen people, even to this day. 
There's been a period of time where God has not dealt with Israel nearly as much as He has in the past. But we know according to the book of Revelation that He is not through with Israel. He is going to once again come to Israel and they're going to play a vital role and an important part in the end time events. I am thankful. And I, I, you know, we, we live in a day where there's a lot of anti-Semitism. Can I tell you this? Uh, the Jews are, are God's chosen people. You say, well, I don't like the way they live. Well, you know what? God doesn't like the way I live a lot of times either. That doesn't mean He doesn't love me. doesn't mean He doesn't care for me. The Jews, I may not agree with the fact that they deny God most of them or a lot of them, but I love them because they're God's chosen people. And I want to honor them. I want to make sure that we're doing right by them. And we ought to do this. We ought to have a right view of the Jews. They are God's chosen people. You and I ought to be so grateful that God has chosen to graft us in and make us a part of the wonderful salvation. And I thank the Lord that He allowed us to do that. Because without that, we'd be lost today. But on that day, they read in the book of the law of Moses, in the audience of people, wherein they found written that the Ammonite and the Moabite should not come into the congregation of God for how long? Forever. They're not supposed to be there forever. Because they met not the children of Israel with bread and with water, but hired Balaam against them, and he, how, uh, that he should curse them. Howbeit, our God turned the curse into a blessing. Now it came to pass, when they had heard the law, that they separated from Israel all the mixed multitude. Uh, this is an interesting thing. I want us to take a few moments to keep your Bible saying We're going to look at several verses here. Turn with me first to Mark chapter number 4. Mark chapter number 4. And uh, let's look at verse number 23. Mark chapter 4 and verse number 23. Jesus is speaking here, and uh, let's back up verse number 21. And he said unto them, As a candle brought, uh, brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed, and not to be set on a candlestick, for there is nothing hid which shall not be manifest, neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. And so Jesus is preaching a message here, and he makes this statement. As he gets to this point, he makes this statement in verse 23. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. What an amazing thought. I, I, I thought as I read this in Nehemiah, the importance of hearing God's Word. And so I started thinking, I wonder how often the Bible speaks of this. I looked up some, and I'll tell you, I ran out of time on writing stuff down on this. I've got a number of verses here. Mark chapter 4, verse 23. Mark chapter 7, verse number 16. Mark chapter 4, verse number 9. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 15. Matthew 13 and verse 9. Matthew 13 and verse 43. Luke 14, 35. Luke 8, 8. Uh, these are, and I mean, I go on and on and on. Of verses where Jesus said, He that hath an ear, let him hear. He wasn't, he wasn't just saying, I want people to, to that, that if they have an ear, that they can hear the, the Word of God. He was saying, listen, this is important, and I want you to take note of what I'm saying here. And the people of Israel, this is, I love this, as we get to verse number 3 in verse chapter 13, notice what it says here. Now, it came to pass when they had heard the law, that they what? They separated from Israel... All the mixed multitude. Why in the world? And I, I, I wrote this question down. Why does God put such an importance on hearing? Why does He put such an importance 
on hearing. I want us to look at a couple things here real quick. Look in John chapter number 5. John chapter 5. By the way, in, in Romans, the Bible says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You know, our faith is strengthened. Our faith is built. Our faith is grown by hearing the Word of God. I, I hear people uh, oftentimes in my life, I've, I've talked with folks, and they say, well, I don't have to go to church all the time. I love the Lord, and God knows my heart. Yeah, but is your faith growing? Am I hearing the Word of God being preached? Am I hearing some things that uh, will strengthen my faith? I'll be real frank with you. When I come and I hear uh, people give a prayer request, it strengthens my faith. Because when you say something I, uh, that, uh, that you want us to pray for, you say, Pastor, I want us to pray that God will do this. What we're saying is, I can't handle this situation. I'm giving it to God. I'm trusting Him to, to, to meet the need. That encourages my faith. Or, or you hear somebody say, Pastor, i got to answer the prayer. I was praying for this, and God did it. You know what we're saying? We put our faith in God to do it, and He did. And it strengthened my faith. Can I tell you this? Hearing those things is something that causes my faith to be strengthened. Now, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Look with me in John chapter 5 and verse number 25. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the, dead, uh, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall what? Live. There is power in hearing God's Word. It takes that which was dead and makes it alive. You know, the Bible tells us that in the end times, Satan is going to gather all the nations of the world to go to war against God. And God's going to come, and He's going to set His foot on the, uh, on the, on the earth again. And you know, the Bible says that He is going to defeat them by the word of His mouth. Genesis chapter 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. And God said, Let there be light. Can I tell you this? When we listen to God's word, it, it lets us know of His power and His might. Can I tell you this? That strengthens my faith. Because that's the God who says He loves me. That's the God who says, I'm making you a part of my family. And all of the resources I have are at your disposal. That, that builds my faith. That strengthens me. Look with me in Mark chapter number 4. Mark chapter number 4. And uh, let's look in verse number 24. Mark chapter 4 and verse number 24. The Bible says this, of course, in verse number 23, he makes that statement, If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear. Think about that statement for a minute. What's he saying here? He's not saying, he's, he's, he's making a point here that we don't let it just go in one ear and out the other. He uses the phrase, Take heed to what you hear. Don't just, don't just come to Sunday school and listen to preacher get up and jabber for 30 minutes. I, I like what I heard a preacher say recently. He got up to preach and uh, was getting ready to give his passage of Scripture. And he said, I don't have anything in the world to say to you tonight. But God does. <laughs> That's the way we ought to look at it. When we come to church, I don't have anything to tell you. I, if you come here to hear my opinion on something, I'll be real frank with you. There's times I don't even agree with my own opinion. There are times it's not worth the powder to blow it up. But I'll tell you, when we come to God's Word, there's something powerful there. There's something that causes our lives to be changed. There's something that stirs our hearts. 
And we find in verse number 24, he says, And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured unto you. Unto you that hear, notice this, unto you that what? Hear shall what? More be given. I've heard people say this. Now, I know he's, he's dealing with some things re- regarding giving and receiving. And by the way, those principles can apply to so many areas of life, not just our money. But have you ever thought about this? There are a lot of people who, who say, boy, I just, I just don't understand Scripture. You know, if I'll hear it and read it, more will be given to me. <laughs> the more I read it, the more I understand it. The, the more I hear the Word of God preached, the more it does something in my life. Let's go back to Nehemiah chapter 13 for a minute and look at this. Now, it came to pass, verse number 3, when they had heard the law. That was the key. That was the key. When Ezra got up on that pulpit and began reading the Word of God, the law of Moses, when they got up and they heard the law, that they separated from Israel all the mixed people. Now, I just want to real quickly tell you what the mixed people were. Of course, we found in verse number 1, that certainly the Ammonites and the Moabites were part of this. The Ammonites and the Moabites were cursed of God in the fact that they were not to ever be a part of the company of the nation of Israel by birth. Again, they were, they were relatives of the nation of Israel. They, were, they had uh, blood uh, lineage between them. The, the, the difference here is that they were not allowed to be part of the nation of Israel unless they willingly chose to have faith in the God of Israel. Because you'll find as we go through some other passages of Scripture in the Old Testament that there were some Ammonites that were men and women full of faith that joined with the Israelites. But they did it because they had an act of faith on their part and said, I want, to be, I want their God to be my God. I want to follow that God. What we're talking about here with the mixed people are those that were among and associated with the nation of Israel but did not partake of Israel's God. And Israel was rampant with the, the infiltration, if you will, of these mixed peoples in amongst their people. They were giving in marriage. They were allowing their sons and daughters to be with these folks. And it caused idolatry to creep into the nation of Israel. Why? Because they had not chosen to follow the God of Israel. They brought their own religious beliefs. They brought their own things. Isn't it amazing when they heard the law, that they separated themselves from these folks? Can I encourage you in this? If, if we struggle getting the world out of our lives, saturate your life with Scripture. Begin reading it. Get, get under the, get, tune into some good preaching. If you can't find good preachers on the internet, and, and let me tell you this, be careful. There's a bunch of quacks out there. Make sure they're doctrinally sound. Okay, if you need a list of some, you come see me. I'll give you a list of some preachers you can listen to that will bless your heart. There's some of the ones I listen to that I enjoy. They they encourage me along the way. They strengthen me. And uh, these are things that we ought to be doing. And the more we struggle with getting victory in some area of our life, the more we ought to turn to the law of the Lord. Why? Because it does a work in us. It causes us to be uh, obedient to God, not because we have to, but because of a willing spirit. It does a transforming work in our lives. These people heard the law, and the Bible says that they separated from Israel all. You say that word all? I want to focus on that for a minute, because a lot of times we read through these verses and we say, oh yeah, they had a separation, and I'll apply that to my life. I'll separate some things out of my life. No, we're not separating some things. 
We're separating all things. We don't get to we don't get to pick and choose. Well, this one I, I, I really you know I, I could get by with, with not having that part of my life. I'll, I'll give that one up, and then, Lord, I'll separate that because I know that's not pleasing to you. But here's another area that's not pleasing to you. But Lord, I really like that one. And we don't say it in those words, but in practice, oftentimes we do, don't we? We don't have a way. We don't have a problem separating from the things that we don't hold dear. The problems we have is separating from the things we hold dear. Things that are displeasing to the Lord. And I love the fact that God put this in His inspired Word. That when they heard the law, they separated themselves not from some of the mixed people, but from all of them. From all of them. It would do us well from time to time in our Christian lives to sit down and pray a prayer that the psalmist wrote. He said, see if there be any wicked way in me. Lord, if there is, purge it. Help me to get it out of my life. Not just some of them, all of them. We, we, we tend to be uh, quick to judge, I guess would be a word, um, the sins that other people have. But ours aren't really all that bad, are they? At least that's what we think. The greatest sins there are are the sins everybody else has, but they're not mine. It would do us well sometimes to say, Lord, help me to see my sin the way you see it. Help me to purge all of it. Help me to get all of it out. He said, Brother Greg, how can I have the strength to do that? Well, for the nation of Israel, they heard the law of the Lord. And it helped them to do that. In fact, I think I find quite often in Scripture that that's the remedy. God's Word. His law. His Word to us. It has a cleansing effect, doesn't it? I love it. The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. The testimonies of the Lord are sure. Making wise the simple, the Bible says. He talks about His Word. He says, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Why? Because they cleanse me. They help me to be obedient. And not grudgingly. They help me to be obedient willingly. And so I hope that will be a help to you this morning. We didn't make it through the whole chapter. We'll finish it up uh, next week. In fact, this morning's message actually is coming out of Nehemiah chapter 13. So we'll get part of it next hour. And... Uh, then we'll finish up the rest of the chapter next week. Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're so grateful and thankful for Your Word, and we're thankful for how it does do a transforming work in our lives. We pray that You will help us to learn from it. Lord, help us to take heed to it, not just to hear it, but to put it into practice, to hide it into our hearts, make it a part of our lives. Lord, help us. May Your Holy Spirit daily and hourly and moment by moment Help to recall these things to our hearts and our minds. Help Him to prod us in our conscience to live the appropriate way, in a way that is pleasing to You, that we would separate ourselves from what You refer to in this Scripture as the mixed people. But in the day that we live, the things of this world would probably be a more um, readily applied principle, something we could look at and say, yes, Lord, we need to get those areas out of our life too the things that seem to have a hold on us, the things that seem to entice us, the things that seem to tempt us along the way. 
Lord, may you help us by the prompting and leading of your Holy Spirit and by the principles that we know from your word to separate ourselves from all of it. Pray that you'll bless the service to follow. Speak to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.